And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Okay, everybody, raise your hand if you have ever in your bodybuilding life hit a plateau. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I think I think we've all been there. So um, that's that's kind of to be expected, kind of comes with the territory. Um, what we're going to cover today, among other things, we're going to talk about busting through plateaus, what it takes, um, how to know if you've hit one, um, what you can expect. And a lot of it has to do with just making sure that your expectations are aligned with reality. So um, we're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about MyFitnessPal Premium. So I had some encounters with it. I used it a little bit more heavily over the weekend. Um, um, and uh, ran into some features. I, to be clear, I, I don't have my Fitness Pal Premium. I think um, the free app does a ton, and uh, I've just never bothered to invest in it. But I ran into some features where, um, as I was trying to use it a little bit more heavily, and I kind of dug in and saw um, what precisely um, you get from it. So I have some opinions to offer on that. And then also, um, I don't know if you've. Um, it's in the show notes and it's in the graphic, which I know if you're listening to this on like iTunes or Spotify, you don't get the graphic that I put together for each episode necessarily, just kind of the stock one um, that is the generic drop set graphic. Um, but uh, I do put together a custom graphic for each episode that says what the episode number is and what the topics we're covering are. Um, and this one, um, one of them is convergence free pressing. So I throw that in there just understanding that nobody has any idea what the hell that is, but we're going to talk about it. So it has to do with training. Um, just so you know, and we'll get there. So, <laughs> um, I've also got a, a Q and A. I meant to put it in um, last Friday's episode, and got so wrapped up in what I was talking about, I completely forgot. So we're gonna cover that too. Um, and let me uh, let me start with a little recap for the weekend here for me. So we checked in on uh, Friday was the last time we were together, and then uh, Saturday, um, and I think I, I alluded to this. Um, we had a uh, went with a wife and we took a trip up to Virginia, to Emory, Virginia, um, for her 20th college reunion at Emory and Henry College. So um, that was a day where, you know, she's been looking forward to that for a while, go and see some old friends. Um, and she's gone up there a couple times for previous reunions, but just by herself. Um, and she said, you know, just walk around campus and, you know, run into people. I was like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, never really ran into any of her closer friends. Um, so this time was different where um, she made arrangements to um, meet up with one of um, her old friends and his wife. And so we spent much of the day with them, went out for lunch afterwards and um, had a good time in general. I clocked in about 17,000 steps for the day, which since I got my little Fitbit here is a record. <laughs> and also um, because there was a lot of climbing on campus, it was very hilly. I logged about 30 flights of stairs and uh, my watch says I burned over 4,000 calories. I'm not totally sure about that. But uh, nonetheless, it was a pretty active day. Um, my day started off because we wanted to leave at about 8.30. It's about a two-hour and 20-minute drive up there. We figured we'd stop at some point along the way. Um, and then there was a, a, supposed to be a class photo taken around like, you know, 11.30, something like that. And she's like, I don't know where to park. I don't know where it is. So we're going to get there and find out. So we wanted to leave relatively early. And I knew I had cardio to do. I had a back workout to hit. And none of that was going to happen afterwards because I wasn't going to find a gym up there or anything like that. And I wasn't, wasn't going to pack for it either. So 
Um, I wanted to hit a back workout specifically. I changed up the order of things a little bit, even though it was a slightly longer workout and I was a little rushed for time on back days, I get slightly more carbs. So I shuffled the order of my workouts around a little bit, just knowing that that day was going to be a little challenging to do low carb. And I'm glad I did. Um, so I got up at four hit cardio, did all that stuff, ate, ran to the gym, got in a great workout. I posted a lot of the videos from that on my Instagram story, which are gone by now. Um, actually I saved a couple of them under highlights. Um, I think I created a highlight category for like, um, gym inspiration or something like that. So if I'm doing anything that's a little non-standard, you can go under highlights and see, you know, what I've been up to and, you know, um, appropriate some of that stuff for yourself as well. Um, so then I got back, showered, packed. We left a, a little bit late, but we made it there in time. Um, so one thing that really sucks is both my wife and I, we get tremendously car sick if we are passengers. And uh, I had two clients competing over the weekend. And so I knew that, you know, I can't just disappear um, for two hours in the morning. They were both on the West Coast. So by the time it's, it's approaching midday, they're like, you know, show's starting. So we had to get everything, um, uh, get everything all settled. And uh, I, I just knew like, okay, so I can't drive. I've got to be the passenger. I've got to have my eyes on the phone. I'm like, that's going to be a little tricky because, you know, I get car sick just being a passenger in a car. If I'm looking at my phone, it's like game the hell over. It is bad news bears. And so by the time we got up about to the halfway point, I was just ready to throw up all over the place. Like I've never been that car sick before without actually crossing the edge. <laughs> so that was unpleasant. I need a little time to unwind. By the time we got up there, um, I'd relied more on uh, voice texting. So um, I was spending less time actually looking at the screen, but everyone, uh, you know, everything went off without a hitch. No worries there. We got up to campus. I worked in my meals, macros, et cetera. went out for lunch, had a diet Coke and uh, I think I stole a, a, a French fry or two off the wife's plate. Didn't log that. Oops. Um, and then uh, much more running around, dinner out, macro-friendly. Um, and then we had a ghost tour around Abingdon, Virginia, which was fun. Um, and then I tell you what, boy, I slept like a rock that night. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely lights out. It was crazy. And then we woke up the next morning. We didn't have anything else to do, so we were just going to grab breakfast and run out. And <laughs> so uh, I tasked my wife, because she's the foodie, I'm like, find a place for breakfast for us. Whatever you think. You know, it's it's it was a rest day for me, which means a lower carb day, but I was I also had meals packed with me that were all just protein, basically. Protein and veg, so no fats, no carbs. So um, I knew that I had some carbs and fats to spare, so we could have a relatively big breakfast, and then I'd just be kind of, you know, a little bit more scarce the rest of the day. Cheat meal was scheduled for that night, so I didn't want to blow anything, and so I kept on track with the day. We actually went to Cracker Barrel for breakfast, um, had some uh, smoked country ham. Um, I tried their grits, but man, I'm not a southerner, um, and I've, I've had grits like once or twice, but I'm like, hey, it's a carb, you know, I'm, I'm carb starved, so I'm sure it'll be great. Man, that stuff is just gross as hell. What the hell do you put in that to make it actually taste like not shit? Um, it's just nasty. It was so gross. Um, and then there was, uh, oh, what else was there? There was some kind of hash brown thing, which was awesome. Um, and uh, I ended up having like a biscuit on top of that. So it was, it was fine. It all worked out well. Uh, the, the biscuit was, actually, I, I opted for two biscuits uh, in place of the grits. Because <laughs> um, I didn't eat, I took like one spoonful of those and said, no thanks. And the cool thing is Cracker Barrel actually has a full nutritional PDF on their website, um, which is very cool. So you can look in MyFitnessPal, and there's always that question of like, okay, well, how accurate is this stuff? And so I just sat there scouring the menu, comparing back to the PDF. It took me about 10 minutes, but I found a good order, and I think my macros came out to like 50 uh, protein, 
um, 38 carbs and about 33 fats, something like that. So pretty, pretty reasonable. Nothing, nothing too bad. And then, um, I actually, um, just because my wife wanted to stop there, um, I actually worked in a donut from Dunkin' Donuts. So that ate pretty much the rest of my fats and the rest of my carbs for the day. But man, that, that was the best donut I've ever had. Not really ideal. Not something that I would say classify as being macro friendly, but you know, as a one-off, um, you can get away with that. So that was good. Drove back home, napped a little bit, and the rest of the day was uneventful. Cheat meal last night went went really well. And then th- this is finally back to a normal week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of stability, staying at home, and just being able to stay caught up and on top of things all week. Um, my post-workout cardio per coaches check-in on Saturday has made a return. So I'm doing that a handful of times this week. Um, and then we're, uh, we're going to start just monitoring things daily around midweek as well. And we'll take it from there. So we shall see. Um, about three and a half weeks at this stage right now. So getting to the home stretch here. Um, so let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and jump into um, the voicemail that I have here. Let's tackle that, and then we'll get on to the main topics of the day and see where we're at. Hey, Darren. It's uh, Josh from Virginia again. Um, I kind of feel like you issued a challenge um, and said, uh, let's make it three weeks in a row with the uh, the voicemail. So here, we, here it is. Um, to answer actually your follow-up question regarding the uh, cheat hacks, um, the Tony Chachery season, uh, seasoning that I put on pretty much everything. Um, it, it's like a Cajun Creole seasoning. Um, I actually get it at a local grocery store that's kind of local to the East Coast, which is Food Lion. Um, but you can always, you know, find it on like Amazon. Um, Walmart sells it too. Uh, and they do have uh, like a low sodium option and things like that. So it's great. Uh, as far as a question, this is actually a quick question. So um, I actually suffered some uh, mild osteolysis in my left uh, shoulder, um, weightlifter shoulder, I guess is what it's also called. So it creates a lot of issues with uh, things like bench press if I'm not um, actively uh, retracting and depressing my shoulder blades, um, as well as uh, any shoulder movement um, where I have to be in the frontal plane, so like a neutral grip shoulder press or something like that. Um, what would be your uh, recommendation um, for a good uh, mass shoulder builder that would um, not necessarily aggravate that or uh, the road to recovery? Because really the only fix for it is surgery and uh, not an advocate of that, um, especially since it would take me out for a, a couple months. Um, so anyway, man, keep rocking. Hope your trip's going well. All right, and a big thanks to my co-host here, Josh from Virginia, honorary co-host. So um, I don't think you have uh, any challengers for that title, um, Josh. So uh, the sad thing is it doesn't pay well. Um, it, you, you'll make about as much uh, from this as I do. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, good feedback regarding the um, regarding the seasoning there. I'll have to check that stuff out. We have a, do we have a food line here? No, we don't have a food line. We have Food City which is just a crap grocery store. I've seen Food Lion, though. Um, I remember we had them in South Carolina when I visited there. I've seen them around. We just don't have any here in Knoxville. But um, definitely, you know, always on the lookout for you know, any way to spice things up. Um, even the, you know, the, the thing that I found right now, because I've kind of simplified my meal plan a little bit, um, so my um, concoctions of, you know, the mustards, veggies, smoke pack, briquette, et cetera, you know, I'm not having that three times a day. So I'm like, boy, I could use a little bit more variety here. So I'm going to check that out. Um, as to the osteolysis, um, so typically, and, you know, 
it, it depends on exactly because it, it's like a, a degenerative um, bone issue. I don't think it typically. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor or a physical therapist. Um, I was I'm I was under the impression that it was more of like a degenerative thing, more more arthritic in nature rather than being related to a specific injury or something acute like that. So um, that's the understanding that I'm coming from with that. And usually with, with that and with so many other um, shoulder specific um, injuries and limitations, it, it's pressing that, that's going to give you the the biggest headache with that. And other movements like isolation movements are a little bit more bread and butter they're typically a little bit more safe but even that you know i mean you'll you'll have to play around with grips like um you know front raises are notorious um you know you do like a pronated front raise and you're like oh my god that's awful and you just rotate 90 degrees and do a neutral grip front raise like oh that's easy okay nice easy fix there so um the um the thing that i would recommend is you can you can build shoulders without a lot of pressing. I have explored some uh, uh, some programs like that um, that are a little bit lower volume for shoulders, but just focusing on high quality of execution with isolation movements and single joint exercises. And uh, actually, the the John Meadows plan that I followed for several months back earlier in the year, um, he had almost no pressing in any of his shoulder workouts. And the other thing about that that I thought was interesting is he always paired chest and shoulders together, which I am not personally a big fan of. I wasn't personally a big fan of that going through the program either um, because it, it was always emphasis on chest and shoulders always just got kind of like they were an afterthought, um, which I thought just habitually is a bad idea. But it was always like three or four chest exercises, two shoulder exercises and almost always it was some form of a lateral raise and something to hit rear delts, whether it's pec deck, dumbbells, cables, or something like that. So, um, I would maybe not simplify it quite so much, but for a while, um, you could experiment with, uh, laying off the presses and combining shoulders with another movement. I mean, with another, um, muscle group, like, you know, chest is a possibility. I really like doing shoulders with biceps actually. So, um, I think that's a, a good combo and there's a lot of complementary action that goes in there depending on your exercise selection. But, um, and also, you know, shoulders and biceps, you're not really doing any compound exercises if you avoid presses for shoulders there. So, um, that could, almost be um, performed as like a low carb or like half a recovery day or something like that just because it won't be incredibly metabolically taxing so that's something to consider as well um, but I would focus on um, uh, lateral raises so you know any variety of lateral raises play around with the grip so you could do pronated supinated neutral grip being the standard um, play around with partial reps um, one thing that I'm doing in my workouts right now um, under coach's direction um is a, a lateral raise and it's a set of 12 and every third rep uh, you hold it in the contracted position for three seconds. So, I mean, when I do that, I'm using like 15 pound dumbbells and that's about all I can manage. I'm also still being a little careful of my wrist um, just because lateral raises are the one exercise where I'm still really aware like, oh yeah, I hurt that thing not too long ago. So going lighter on that and that, that, that was her reasoning also. She doesn't want me going super heavy on those but we can do it if we keep the weight light. So that that's a good option. Um, and then uh, front raises and then 
and um, any kind of rear delt work. So if you pull in, you know, three of those, you could even giant set them together if you wanted to. Um, I think that would be a reasonable combination and a, a reasonable reasonable place to go. And just lay off the pressing. It, it, it's not essential. Um, I mean, if you can do it, great. Uh, and similar to an upright row, if you can do it, great. Um, but I have a feeling that's going to be another one that's kind of contraindicated just based on, you know, what, what you're telling me about like, neutral grip presses, etc. So, um I would uh, I would experiment with that, see how it feels, um, and just lay off the pressing for a little bit, let it recover. Um, and you know, again, if it's something that uh, I think it's one of those things that only goes in one direction, like it's not necessarily if you're nice to it, it's not necessarily going to heal up. So you may just not be doing a lot of pressing in the future, and that, that that's fine. And that's that's one of one of John Meadows' philosophies basically is that shoulder presses are overrated and they tend to be more destructive than constructive. So food for thought there. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. Thank you, Van. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about MyFitnessPal. You know, it's a tool. If you're a flexible dieter, you probably use this. If you don't, um, I will just speak frankly and say you are probably using an inferior app. Um, I've used many, and quite frankly, they all kind of pale in comparison to the functionality, the speed, the efficiency, and the thoroughness of MyFitnessPal. Okay, now that being said, commercial is over. Now we're going to talk real. Um, so the free version of MyFitnessPal, fantastic. The premium version, let's talk about it a little bit. So what's the cost? First of all, it's 10 bucks a month, or you can pay in advance 50 bucks for the whole year. I will give them kudos for giving a significant price discount if you commit to a certain um, time range. So that's useful. That's helpful. Um, but still, 10 bucks a month, um, it's like, you know, if we're, if we're doing that, you better give me something here. So let's let's dig in and see um, see what the benefits are so I'm, I'm looking at my fitness pals website actually right now so they have nine premium features and they just spell them all out number one customize your daily macronutrient goals if you use my fitness pal right now and you try to set your targets um, you know what a giant pain in the ass it is basically I think um, I, I haven't done this in ages so I think you know the last time I was there what they do is they they ask you to set a caloric target and then um, divvy up your percentages of proteins, carbs, and fats in increments of 5%, and you're never going to get the numbers exactly where you want them. So what this lets you do is, is um, plug in exactly, okay, my target is you know, 55 grams of fat, 125 grams of carbs, unless you be very specific with that. So useful? Yeah, sure. But my recommendation for MyFitnessPal is never plug in the targets anyway. It doesn't matter. If you can't remember three numbers, you've got other issues. So if you can't remember what your targets are for proteins, carbs, and fats, um, just, you know, try harder. Remember those numbers. They don't need to be established as targets um, within the app. If I look under MyFitnessPal on my app, on my phone right now, let's just take a look here. So diary, so it says my current targets, um, my protein goal is 126 grams. My carbohydrate goal is 314 grams, and my fat goal is 84 grams. So that is not even close. The numbers are 245, 140, and 65. So um, 
you know, I, I those numbers are ingrained into my head. I know what they are, and they they change fairly regularly. Like a couple of weeks ago, my carb target was 125, not 140. It's pretty easy to remember the change of a number. If you need to make a note in your phone to store your numbers, and you can track how they change over time, um, based on you know changes that you make for yourself or that are provided from your coach, great, do it. But I don't see a lot of value in this. I, I've never used those macronutrient targets, and they also, um, you know, for me, they change regularly. Um, and I think this gives you the ability to set different targets for days. I'm not positive on that. But again, um, you know, for, for me, my numbers are 245, 140, 65. On high carb days, they're 245, 210, 65. Really easy to remember that. So, And that just changed on Saturday, but still, it's ingrained into my head. Now, numbers come naturally to me. So if they don't for you, you can still get by um, with, with just, you know, leaving a note in your phone. Um, customize your daily calorie goal. This is worthless because if you have macronutrient goals, who cares what your calories are? Um, a lot of clients always ask me when they log food, um, they're like, I'm hitting my macros and my calories are off and I just I say up front some of them miss the note but it's it's buried in the fine print ignore the calories if we're hitting the macros that's all we care about the only discrepancy there is going to be based on how fiber is calculated so it's not something that we need to be concerned with at all um, quick add macronutrients that you care about so this is one thing that I missed over the weekend um, because we were at Cracker Barrel, like I mentioned, and I kind of pieced together some things from the menu. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this, 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 and this. And then I, uh, I sat down. I'm like, okay, let me total up because I was looking at their nutritional guide PDF that they have online. And uh, I said, okay, so this, this, and this. My protein, okay, that totals 50. This, this, and this. Okay, my protein here, that, or my carbs here, that totals 38. And then, okay, this, this, this. Okay, my fats come to 33. Let me just go and quick add that because I know it's a feature. Oh, it's a premium feature. So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, so that's that's one thing that would have been useful, um, being able to just quick add those numbers. Instead, what I did was I went through and found database entries for everything for Cracker Barrel. So I had to look up individual things, and then of course, since um, you know I'm using something that's um, driven by the MyFitnessPal database, um, I've got to double check everything against the macronutrient table that Cracker Barrel has online. And there were a couple things that were off by a little bit, so I ended up finding I ended up finding a uh, a similar entry from someplace else that just had numbers that were more accurate. So that was a little bit of a pain. I would have loved to have just been able to quick add the macros. Also, in my entire cut so far, that's the first time that that would have been useful. So, and I'm, I'm 13 weeks in at this point. So um, would I pay 10 bucks a month for something that I wanted to use once in uh, 13 weeks? No, I wouldn't. I would just deal with it because it took about you know a handful of minutes to fix the issue. So, um, number four, use food analysis to learn from your food choices. So, um, you gain insights. They say like how three slices of cheese pizza is way more calories than you need at one meal. Great. Okay. Next, this is stupid. Um, choose where your exercise calories go is number five. Next, if you're logging your exercise through My Fitness Pal, you're using it for something that you don't need it to. So stop that. Um, number six, customize your nutrient dashboard. So. Um, th this is fairly worthless, I think, because if you just, um, you know, from your diary in my fitness pal, if you click on the little pie chart up at the top, um, and you've got options for calories, nutrients, macros, you can see right here, um, you know, protein, carbs, fats, and then everything else like sodium, cholesterol, potassium, vitamin, AC, calcium, iron, it's all listed right there. I'm not sure, um, 
what this does for you other than maybe reorder some of these things or take things off this list that you don't care about. Uh, pretty easy to just weed through the information though. Um, export your information into a CSV or spreadsheet. Okay. Uh, don't really need that. Um, you know, sometimes it would be useful um, for somebody to send it to me in that format. Instead, what I do right now is I will ask somebody to just screenshot their day and send it on over if, if it needs, if it comes to that. And so uh, again, 10 bucks a month for a feature like that. How much are you going to use that? How useful is it really? I don't know. Um, number eight, set your calorie goals by meal. Um, yeah, uh, it seems fairly worthless to me. Uh, if you're following a macronutrient structure, you kind of know how your protein breakdown should go throughout the day. You know where to place your carbs. So setting calorie goals, again, calories, we don't ever really care about calories. We, we care about macros. So um, you should know how to break those down. And in fact, number nine, the final one is see your carbohydrate, fat, and protein breakdown by meal. So this I would consider to be potentially the most useful of these features because for me what I like to do is assemble a meal take a picture of it post it on social media and when I do that I tag the macros for the entire meal and so currently what I have to do is look at each ingredient and either make a mental note or write it down on a post-it note tally them all up okay protein it's this from here this from here this from here carbs this from here this from here fats this 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 okay cool um, so I can't just see them all uh, automatically added up for me within the app. Um, again, how hard is it to bust out a post-it note and do five seconds worth of work? It's pretty easy. Worth 10 bucks a month? Not to me. You know what I, I would think would be worth it though? Um, and, and so who knows? this list would probably evolve over time. If they threw in a feature, however, that allowed me to take an entire day's worth of eating and copy it to another day, I, I would get on that bandwagon. And who knows? If you're listening to this and you're like, dude, it's there right now. You just blah, 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 blah. Please tell me. I will find some way to pay you back for that because I would love that so much. Because right now what I have to do um, when I receive um, updated macros from my coach is I go back to the last day that I've logged because I don't log every day. And I take meal one, copy meal two today. Okay, then I go back. When was the last day that I logged? Okay, yeah, here it was. Okay, copy meal two two today. Okay. Go back, 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 back. Meal three, copy two, two today. Okay. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. I gotta do that for five meals. So, and I do it often enough, um, that, uh, it, it would be a time saver if I could take an entire day and just copy it over. I have not found a way to do that. I have also not exhaustively tried to look. Um, so, but you know, like up at the top, I have, I can add notes. I can complete diary, diary settings. Um, down at the bottom, is there anything here? Water? No, no, complete notes. Nope, 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 nope. No, it's just under each meal, like meal four right here. There's three dots under it in the same line where it says add food. I can click on that and copy the meal right there, but I can't copy an entire day. If they let me copy an entire day, I might think about it. I might think about it, but as it is, I just don't see the value in it. So, um, Everything else that you need to do, I, I know that some people have been unable to find like how they can track their daily totals. Um, like I can log my food, but I can't see where I'm at for the day. So you scroll all the way up, click on the pie chart and click on nutrients. I think it is. Is that right? Nutrients. Yeah. And the other cool thing is if you just leave it on nutrients, it'll stay there um, every time you come back to the app. So that's how you can see your, t your daily breakdown. So I've had people who have um, purchased MyFitnessPal Premium because they didn't know that that feature was included in the free version. Uh, if that wasn't in the free version, I'd be all over it because that's essential. You got to have that. So um, 
don't tell anybody uh, at Under Armour who owns MyFitnessPal. Don't tell anybody that <laughs> just because I don't want them stripping out features just to make the premium more enticing. So anyway, there you go. Um, that's my um, that's my opinion. So my overall verdict is no, not worth it. For 10 bucks a month, 50 bucks for the year, no. There's better ways to spend your money. Um, you know, Put that towards your grocery budget instead. Save it. Don't worry about it. I think you'll be just fine if you skip it. Okay, quick detour. I want to talk uh, a little bit about training here. This is going to be very brief, and it's really just a concept that I want to throw at people. This is something that keeps coming back to me when I um, evaluate videos and uh, give people feedback on stuff that I'm seeing, and uh, it's it's a comment that I make regularly, and um, oftentimes I think it's lost on people, um, but what I know is that when you try it and you stick with it, first of all, you get better at performing a specific exercise, you feel better connection with the muscle, and everything just kind of is better. So this is what I alluded to earlier about convergence-free pressing. So what is convergence? Well, let's start with a dictionary definition here just to make sure that we're totally on the same page. Convergence. Um, let's see. Okay. The process or state of converging. Okay. Thank you, Google. That is helpful. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, too many things. Okay. Well, I'm going to use my own definition here. It's things coming together things coming together. So when we think about that, a press where things come together, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a, a, uh, a press where your hands and arms are moving independently. So um, specifically like a shoulder press or any kind of chest press at any angle, flat, incline, decline, it doesn't matter. So any kind of dumbbell press, we'll call it. Sure, this would apply to kettlebells as well, but whatever. We're going to leave those out of the equation. So um, what is an example of a convergence-free press? So anything with a barbell is a convergence-free press. Um, so coming together, I'm talking about your hands coming together. So convergence-free press means your hands are at a fixed width throughout the entire range of motion. Um, so obviously a barbell is a convergence free press because you're gripping the bar. Your hands are not sliding along the bar as you press. So then why then when we press with dumbbells is our natural tendency to start out in the stretch position with a grip similar to how we would hold a barbell and then bring things together up at the top. Um, there are a few mechanical issues with that. Um, one being it slows the movement down. It becomes virtually impossible to perform the exercise with constant tension um, just because that act of bringing things together. And Okay, there's still tension on the muscle, yes, but what I'm looking for is to always be performing a concentric or a negative. That's a, a kind of a default way that I like to approach presses, constant tension. Um, I would call them three-quarter presses, except then people get the wrong idea, kind of like when I say three-quarter squats and suddenly I'm looking at one quarter squats just because they weren't max depth to begin with. And so suddenly the person's like, I've got free reign to shorten up my squats. No, you don't. Full squat is ass to grass. Three quarters means, you know, you're still hitting parallel or going just a little bit below it, but also we're going to avoid that lockout at the top. So you don't get that breather between reps, constant tension on all the, all the muscle groups. So the presses here that we're talking about, same thing. So what I really just want to do is encourage you to try convergence free pressing with dumbbells, whether it's shoulders, whether it's chest, start relatively light because it's going to feel different. But what I've noticed is it, it tends to create more stability through the shoulder girdle. 
Um, and whenever you're doing any kind of press like this, um, the, your ability to succeed at the movement is 100% dependent upon your stability through your torso and through your shoulder girdle. If you're moving around all loosey-goosey and you're leaning one side or the other and you lose that positive shoulder retraction throughout the course of a press, it's just bad news. I mean, you're asking your shoulder to get pissed off at you. You're asking for your muscle activation to get reduced as well. Uh, so what we want to do, you know, that, that default lifting posture for every exercise you ever do in the gym chest up shoulders down and back nice and tall think military salute kind of posture that's what we're looking for that should be your default setup for everything so um, when you're ready to do it when you're getting ready to do a shoulder press or a dumbbell chest press anything like that assume that posture get yourself back in position throw the dumbbells back or up so that you're in that stretch position and then press up from there but keep your hands separate Keep your hands separated and don't allow them to converge. I mean, they can a little bit, but what you want to do is kind of force things to stay a little bit wider up top. And then, you know, once you get to almost complete lockout, bring it back down for a slow control negative. So you're going to avoid fully locking out the elbow. So you don't want to stay up in that position and try to hold that for any length of time. Um, but just make it a constant movement. So you're always coming up or down, maybe the negative about twice as long as the concentric. Um, it's a good default approach. Try it without convergence and just see how it feels. And typically, um, I find that you know it feels better on the shoulder. Everyone's going to have a little bit of different mileage with that, but my personal um, experience and feedback that I've gotten from a lot of clients is, you know, if, if they're struggling with shoulder engagement or their shoulders are kind of like you know achy a little bit, this tends to help that. Um, and I mean, the big thing though is muscle activation is much higher here. Your um, inherent stability is going to be greater because when you bring things together um, up at the top of a movement, you tend to forget about keeping the shoulders in that kind of position. And this just helps encourage that. So um, moral of the story, give it a shot, see how it feels. And lastly, I wanted to go over a little bit of plateau busting advice. So um, it's difficult to do this just because every plateau is different, but I wanted to go over some general concepts. So what do we mean by a plateau? Well, I'll define it very simply. It's when your progress is stalled. Um, maybe it's it stopped completely or maybe it was moving along at a good rate and now it ain't. So we're going to call that a plateau. So um, first of all, how do you know if you have hit a plateau? Um, what you don't do is rely on the scale to tell you. Um, it is a tool it is not the only tool that we use. So the more valuable tool would be your eyes, a conversation with your coach, you know, talk about and evaluate um, just how things are feeling and how things are going overall. Um, and this needs to be a very honest, very real, open and transparent self-assessment. So questions that I will ask somebody, if it looks like we might be hitting a little bit of a plateau and usually you know, sometimes the numbers bear that out, but sometimes I, I get a sense just based on things that people are telling me when we check in about how they feel and stuff like that. So the things that I will want to dig into are how are you sleeping? How is your stress? How is your intensity overall? It, uh, do you wake up? Are, are you dreading cardio or do you feel, you know, nobody's really necessarily looking forward to it. Do you feel ready to attack it? And do you then attack it with a good level of intensity? How are your workouts? Once again, um, are you feeling drained going into them or do you hit them hard, enjoy it and feel drained afterwards? How is your appetite? Um, th those kind of things are all important. So that combined with some of the quantitative data, so like, you know, weigh in numbers if you're getting, uh, if you're getting uh, skin fold readings um, and then also uh, not quantitative, but you know, visual assessment as well. So um, 
then you can start to put together a picture of like, okay, are we really plateauing? And usually it's going to be very rare where everything feels great, but the number just stalls out. That's usually not the case. Usually there's some kind of an issue. The other thing is, um, and I will ask people this, like, are you off plan? And I'm like, this is a, a no questions asked chance to turn yourself in. And um, we, we won't talk about it. But uh, if you're having anything off plan, anything that you're um, taking in that you aren't logging, any meal plan deviations, any cardio sessions that are getting skipped, I have to know about it right now. Otherwise, this program is going to fail. If you can't be honest with me and therefore yourself, you will fail at this. So this is your chance to right the ship and fix that. Um, and that has happened more than once. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, it, I've, I've been guilty of it myself more than once as well. You know, you let yourself get away with a little bit here. And then before you know it, you know, you're making these, um, meal plan deviations or macro deviations that you aren't logging. And then you're like, my, my progress is stolen. What's up with that? Well, it might be the extra 600 calories of peanut butter you're taking in daily. I don't know. Might have something to do with it. Eh, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, so, You've got to be completely and totally honest with yourself. But also, you know, when I'm asking those questions about sleep, workout and cardio intensity, appetite, don't just answer those off the cuff, but take a chance to really think about those for a second. Think back several days. Think back a couple weeks. If you're maintaining at a tracker and you're keeping good prep notes, et cetera, go back a couple weeks and look at your notes and see how you're feeling now, how it compares to back then. Um, because sometimes, you know, if everything's humming along, but the numbers are, are still... Um, they're, they're, they're kind of evening out and we're not seeing, you know, losses or gains depending on what you're aiming for, um, on the scale, does that match up with reality? And so oftentimes I will get feedback from people saying the scales, you know, it's standing still or it's moving in the wrong direction. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about that. How do you feel? Um, or, or the corollary to that is, um, I was feeling great and then I stepped on the scale and now I'm pissed. I'm like, okay, that, that is just bad life management. Don't let that number dictate how you feel. So you were feeling fine and then you saw a number you didn't like and now that changes how you feel physically. What the fuck is up with that? That don't make any sense. Stop it. Get out of your own head. <laughs> so your goal is not to weigh a certain amount. I mean, unless you're a, unless you're a male bodybuilder and you've got to make weight for your class. Other than that, it does not matter. It's inconsequential. So don't worry about it. Yeah. You, you can typically expect that over time it's going to trend down, but if it sticks for a little bit somewhere, especially if you're doing stuff with supplementation, you know, any kind of AAS, any kind of SARM, um, those things are going to are going to factor into your weight as well and they're going to make it so that things don't necessarily always move the way you would expect like if you start a cut and you start a cycle at the same time uh yeah i mean you could lose some pretty good body fat and not really see that scale move much for a few weeks so just keep that in mind always a possibility um so how do we bust through a plateau the, the first thing is honest 100% transparent self-assessment um, and self-evaluation. Or, you know, if you're working with a coach, that should be a collaborative effort. Um, the other thing is up your game on your precision and on your on your um, meal plan and macro accountability. If that is at all sketchy, you know, I, I know how it is. Cuts are long. You're cutting for 16 weeks, 20 weeks, etc. After a while, it just kind of becomes automatic, and then it starts to be, be this thing where, well, you know, okay, just a little bit here and there won't hurt. You know, I can I can get away with this, and then you do it once, and you're like, oh, I, I you know, I had. Um, I had those, you know, uh, unauthorized cookies last night and pff, I'm actually down a half a pound on the scale. So that didn't hurt me. So, and then you start to justify, um, 
you know, just because you know, eating something bad doesn't necessarily mean you're going to wake up and be fat the next day. That's not how it works. Um, but the other thing is you, you don't know how well your plan is working unless you're following it 100%. So you've got to be honest with yourself. Track those things. If your macros are off, you need to log everything anyway just so that you know for sure how off they are. And then you can go back and look and see what kind of deviations you've had. And then compare that to the you know progress or lack of progress that might be perceived, um, and then you know compare and see if you can if you can draw uh, any kind of correlation between those. So um, and then the, a lot of the other plateau busting techniques they're just about evaluating some of the other qualitative aspects that we're looking for. Um, some things that I have done before with clients is. Um, Take a break from cardio. If you've been pushing cardio for a long time, boy, you give your body like a two, three, four, five day break from cardio, um, especially if you've been pushing a high volume for a long period of time and, and you don't pull macros down to account for that. Suddenly your body gets a little bit of a metabolic break. You can get some more sleep. Um, and it's like I, I've had that just open up the doors into a green pasture of just pure bliss for people. And then they get back to it. And, you know, I had a one day break from cardio. It was yesterday. Um, just because I was traveling, I wasn't able to hit fasted cardio. I told coach, like I can hit some in the afternoon if you need me to. She's like, Nope, skip it. So I had one day yesterday where I did nothing. And I woke up this morning. I felt refreshed. Um, I had a caloric burn on my cardio that I hadn't seen in a couple weeks actually, um, for a 30 minute session. So, um, just a short little break, a one day respite from it kind of gave me a renewed sense of purpose to go in and attack it with a little bit more aggression. Um, so a little bit of a cardio break, or, you know, maybe if you're doing a ton, go from doing a ton to doing less. Like if you're knocking out 45 to 60 minutes in a day or a session, you know, do, do 20 for a few, you know, give your body a little bit of a break. Don't be afraid. And a lot of people, they want to keep doing something just so that they stay in the routine. Um, I've had people who, you know, they, they take a few days off from cardio and then suddenly they find it hard to get back into the routine, even though they're well rested, but they're like, Oh, I really enjoyed that sleeping in thing. So, you know, you can still force yourself to get up, but just do a little bit less. Um, so you can maintain the same routine. Um, take a day off from training. You know, I mean, <laughs> every training session is a chance to get ahead of the curve. If you're in prep, you're going to be training about six days a week on average anyway. Um, if you lose one, um, like, you know, if you typically train Saturday, take Sunday off as your regular day off, you know, if you need to, you can take a weekend off. And maybe those become non-cardio days as well. And you give yourself a little two-day reset. Um, oftentimes, busting through a plateau is about asking your body to do a little bit less and not do a little bit more. Unless... You aren't doing a whole lot, and that, and this is often the way that I prep people. We start off with our calories as high as we possibly can and our cardio as low as we possibly can. So we can make intelligent movements in those directions. So we, we have a lot of headroom where we can drop our calories down. We've got a lot of headroom where we can bump our cardio up. So um, that is another strategy is to just start conservatively, you know, Take off the first few pounds, which are usually pretty easy without being overly aggressive on stuff. You start slow and you give your body um, room to move and room to breathe, metabolically speaking. Um, you can also incorporate refeeds. So oftentimes, um, what one common strategy is um, you can... Uh, do just a, a straight reduction in calories or a straight increase in cardio, or you can spike up your intake if, if we suspect that leptin levels might be taking a little bit of a hit um, just from running a deficit, um, a long-term deficit input versus output. So that's, you know, cardio plays into that as well. Um, if, if we feel like that's taking a little bit of a hit, we can, you know, 
help remedy that to some extent by having a high carb day, high calorie day, or throwing a cheat meal, something like that. And then if we're gonna, if we're planning on reducing calories or increasing cardio, doing that after the the caloric burst that we got in. So um, you know, it's the it's the old strategy: refeed, cut calories. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it it works. It works. So. Um, and, and oftentimes, like I have some people that are just super, super carb sensitive, like they, they just can't have a lot of carbs in their diet. So um, rather than doing a carb refeed, I'll do one that's more protein and fat based, but still getting an influx of calories in there um, so that we're still getting something in extra. It doesn't have to be carbs. It's great if it is because then we get the glycogen stores refilled as well. So we get a little bit of a performance boost from that. But just feeding your body something is helpful. Um so, and that depends on, again, if you're, if you're towards the end of prep and you're like, oh, I can, my calories are about as low as they go. I can not think how, I don't know how I can squeeze in any more cardio. That's how, you know, you've kind of painted yourself into a corner. And this is where it's helpful then to be keeping journals of your prep so that you know where you were at what point. So then when it comes time to do it again, that's not to say that all hope is lost if you're in a situation like that, but you'll definitely be in a situation that you don't want to find yourself in the next time around. So just a little bit more intelligent planning and as mentioned, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to use her here just because she backs up one of my favorite philosophies, Kim Helm, when she was here a couple episodes ago, she said how you off season determines how you prep. So that that off season is about building up that metabolic capital. So then you can start your prep, you can start your cut without such an aggressive deficit. You buy yourself a little bit more headroom so that you don't have to dig a trench quite as deep towards the end of prep in order to get your calories down where they need to go and your cardio up to where it needs to go. Um, so proper strategizing will not only help you reduce the frequency with which you hit a plateau, but it will give you more options when it comes there. When it, when it comes time to, to, to do something. Um, two other things. Well, well, one thing, basically, and that's just a, a consideration on hormones as well. So um, women, um, if, you, if you're going through your monthly cycle, you know that typically there's going to be some weight gain associated with that due to um, hormonal fluctuations and fluid retention. So keep that in mind and understand that when you see that happening, that is not a plateau. That is, I mean, there's a reason they call it a cycle. So um, just keep that in mind as well. And the other thing that's hormonal related is um, uh, has to do with cortisol. So the stress hormone, um, nothing will make you plateau faster and harder than a cortisol spike. So um, as you navigate through your prep and through your cut, it, it is important. And this is a life skill. And this is something that I, I talk about fairly regularly with clients as well. Just manage your stress. Um, you can take all the cortisol blockers in the world, but none of those are going to be as effective as simply managing your stress factors and tackling them head on. Um, so that means, you know, staying caught up on work, on personal obligations, making sure that everybody in the family is happy, making sure that your budget's squared away, all that stuff. So um, managing your stress will help you avoid stress-related plateaus, which are the biggest pain in the ass to, to break through. Because by the time you hit one of those, it's kind of baked into the cake for a little while. You know, you're, you're going to have If it gets to the point where your level of stress is causing you to hit a physical plateau, it's going to take some doing to, to um, get out of that. And also, it, it sometimes it depends on what the stress factors are. Like somebody, okay, th there's a death in the family. Okay, well, that's a huge stress factor. That's something that can completely derail a prep and make it so that, you know, that you're just going to pull yourself out of the show. And that's fine. You know, I mean, you've got to be realistic about some of these things. Um, so if, it, it's, if it's a traumatic event like that, 
uh, you, you, there, there's nothing that you can really do about it. But if it's a slow buildup and accumulation, so look at um, where you put your mail in your house. Like you bring it out of the mailbox, where do you dump it? Now, do you have something that looks like you raided a mail truck? on that table or on that counter. If so, go through that shit and get rid of it. Those are the kind of warning signs that I look for as far as, you know, is somebody managing their life well? Because if they're not, it is going to impact your stress as well. Um, you have unpaid bills, that kind of stuff. So those are things that just slowly and slowly accumulate and you've got to address those things head on just because eventually they will start to overtake things and stupid shit like that can absolutely derail your prep, can cause you to hit a big plateau. You know, I've talked about the stress balloon before, you know, there's good stress and bad stress, but it all goes into the same balloon. And when that balloon pops, shit happens. So, um, that's the last thing that I would mention on that. So uh, <laughs> we're done. We're done. Upcoming things this week. So we've got another podcast coming on Friday. I'm going to be getting some content put up throughout the week. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on the website. We do have a poll up there. Go to thedropset.com. You can check out the poll. This is regarding cheat meals. I want to hear everybody's feedback on that. Um, and then um, check out the main website as well, fivestarphysique.com. So I've gone through and I've updated a lot of things. The homepage, the page that's all about me, the coaching page. I just updated the workout plans page. Um, I'm trying to put a sample workout plan up there, um, just like a, a page of one of the workouts, just so that you can like actually, like on your phone, open up the PDF and click through it, read what it's all about and actually like, I guess not necessarily have it in your hands. Well, you got your phone in your hands. So yeah, have it in your hands and just interact with it and see what it's like so that you can get a sample of it. I tried putting that up and then my website just crashed completely. So I'm back to the drawing board on that. But uh, also if anybody just wants to see that, let me know, contact me and I'll shoot you an email copy of the PDF so you can play around with it. Um, but the workout plans is get, uh, workout plans page is getting updated. I'm going to be updating my client results page later this afternoon as well. Um, and then doing a little bit more streamlined behind the scenes. I've got blog posts in the works. Um, several of them are half written. One of them will be going up soon. And that is... Uh, oops. Okay. I had a, uh, a pop-up thing that just interrupted my entire computer, but it kept recording the whole time. Kudos, computer. Nice job. Um, the blog post that I have going up very, very soon, um, which is a review of the Isopack, which is the bag that I got recently. So, um, that'll be going up as well. Um, there is, uh... There are additional workout plans in the mix as well, additional blog posts, so lots of stuff going up. Um, I'm going to be becoming a content machine here pretty pretty soon, so um, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, I think that's all I got. Social media, you heard Van earlier, um, Instagram at Darren underscore star, Twitter at Darren star, Facebook.com slash five star physique, five star physique on YouTube and Pinterest as well, and the website five star physique.com. You can email me, Darren, at five star fitness dot com confusing i know thank you or just go to five starphysic.com click on contact and you can reach me that way so i appreciate everybody who is listening through all of this stuff of quite a divergent array of topics today um so i appreciate it any feedback any questions comments anything like that at all please hit me up and i hope everybody has a fantastic day